Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. been a little while. It's good to be back with you after the long holiday weekend, which for me ended up being longer than I planned. I was just talking to my producer, Jim. Apparently we had too much fun this weekend with too many sweets because we, oh goodness, starting through Sunday evening into the weekend, so late we started dropping with like flies not feeling well. And I've had little to no voice the last couple of days while dealing with itty bitty struggling through the cold it's so sad when they just they don't get it they don't understand why their throat hurts why their nose keeps running why they're eating their boogers because i can't wipe it all fast enough for them so that's been our last few days i've been joking that i was going to have to take up miming for my kids because they just want to hear books the whole time as i have next to no voice but lo and behold speaking of family we're talking about marriage day not just marriage but the spicier topics of marriage How is your romantic life? How's your sex life? That's the topic of the hour. We are going to be joined by licensed marriage and family therapist, Doug Hinder. He can be found at happymarriageforlife.com. He's a good friend of Trending here. He actually joins us weekly now. So if you have a question, what's going on in your marriage, maybe specifically relating to romance, What's get what's getting in the way of romantic love for you and your spouse? You can let me know on social media or give us a call. We might have some tips for you with Doug Hinder, licensed marriage and family therapist with a sound Catholic take. Any questions related to raising kids, family life, the thick and thin of the day, our toll-free line is 888-914-9149, and it's sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. We'll cover 13 13 things that all couples do who have an amazing sex life, and we're taking your questions, and I have some really cool news for you later on, really exciting news. So stay with me later on in the show as we will be sharing that. Again, that number, if you have a question, is 888-914-9149. Joining me now is licensed marriage and family therapist, Doug Hinder, found at happymarriageforlife.com. Doug, welcome back to Trending. Good to be here, Timory. And I'm glad you're feeling better, too. That's a good thing. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. So this is an interesting topic, a sensitive topic for some and extremely intriguing for others. Might I just specifically the men? We're actually going to be diving into why <laughs> uh, sex is so important to men tomorrow here on Trending. So these were complementary oh, topics. Um, so and maybe you'll share a little bit of your thoughts on that a la- little later on during the show. But today, this is interesting. So how do you grow in romantic love? I think a lot of people find themselves in different seasons of life. And I've been throwing the question up on 
social media. What's getting in the way of romantic love for you? And the thing I hear over and over and over again is busyness and family life and children, which I want to address some of those specifics later on in the show. But before we do, talk to me about just what is romantic love to begin with? Is it strictly sex? Is it more than that? What are we discussing? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's certainly more than sex. It's certainly more than what goes on in the bedroom. And it's an exceptionally, it's a very important part of what married life is all about. You know, the last two uh, shows I was on with you, Timory, we talked about um, two other kinds of love, philia, which is the love of friendship, which of course you can have a lot of that. You can have the love of friendship with a lot of different people. And storge, the love of kindness and gentleness to others. And of course you can share that love with a lot of people. But now we get to Eros, which is the romantic love, this love that desires physical union. And this is the love that you share with only one other person in the world. This is the love of, of, of marital intimacy. And so it's a very important part of what married life is all about because it's the one thing husband and wife share that they don't share with anyone else on the planet. So it's really critical. Mm. And I love that you have really kind of been walking us through this. You've been building up these friendships. And if you haven't listened to past episodes with Doug, building up that friendship within your marriage is so key. Building up that effort of kindness and just being kind to your spouse. Sometimes it seems to be easier to be kind to everyone else except for your spouse. But then when you get to the (laughs) sexual intimacy, Doug, it always enamors me that sometimes what we are so intrigued by when we're in that season of life of dating. Uh, you love what is other, what is different, what is titillating, everything that's exciting yeah. about that relationship. And then you fall into marriage and suddenly a lot of spouses are like, oh, some more often on the part of the wife is I'm not as interested. Men suddenly seem to become a little bit of the pest sometimes in those relationships. There are a lot of different, (laughs) I think, dynamics that you see from abuse, you name it, that we could dive into. But talk to me a little bit more about how we need to look at physical intimacy. Big picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and I mean, God created us to be sexually complementary. Uh, If you go back to Genesis, the very first commandment from God to mankind is, I think, the 18th verse of Genesis. I have no idea how many Bible verses there are, but tens of thousands. The 18th one, be fruitful and multiply. Well, we need to come together in in a physically intimate way in order to bring new life into the world. So God's first commandment was, I've made you sexually complimentary, and you should use that complementarity in your marriage. And so it's it's directly from God. He created us like this. This is the way that couples express love and bond very closely together. Uh, and so when during the act, the body, the brain produces a lot of hormones, one of which is called oxytocin. Oxytocin is called the bonding hormone because it actually bonds the person you're with when the oxytocin is flowing and cascading through your body. Um, Women and babies exert uh, or exude a lot of uh, oxytocin while nursing. And this is how Mm -hmm. babies bond so closely to their mother and and moms bond so closely to their children. And that that, that happens during sex, uh, which is why it's a really important part of married life. And it's a really dangerous thing to do if you're not married, because all of a sudden Mm -hmm. now, chemically, you're starting to get bonded to someone. And that could skew your decision on whether or not this person will actually make a good spouse. So Mm -hmm. another reason why you need to keep sex in its proper place, which is between Mm -hmm. husband and wife. 
I'm so glad that you started with that baseline of oxytocin because, as you mentioned, with that most fundamental relationship we have with children, it helps to maintain a healthy attachment between mom and baby. Well, it's meant to occur a healthy attachment between husband and wife within marriage. Like you said, you don't want to fire that too soon. And I saw this firsthand, Doug, for years working in the crisis pregnancy centers when we'd have women mm-hmm. who came to us from abusive situations, usually with people they weren't married to. You, they, we talked about how you have these love goggles on if you keep going back to this man because all of these great, great chemicals, this chemical cocktail, those neurotransmitters are firing that are connecting the two of you together, but it's making you see him in a light that excuses bad behavior versus within the context of a healthy marriage, that's meant to bond the two of you together. And in fact, it's a glue that's necessary through the challenging and joy-filled moments of marriage. Yeah, for sure. It's actually called the trust hormone, and you can actually buy oxytocin in a nasal spray uh, over the internet. And they've done research where they, 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 you know, they take the, the research subjects and they give them a little dose of oxytocin. And then someone comes in and says, listen, um, if you'll give me $10,000, I'll invest it for you. <laughs> now there's a 99% chance I'll lose all of your money, but 1% chance I won't. And the people are like, sure, who should I make the checkout to? Whoa. Right? Yeah. It, it, it causes you to make very risky decisions and trust people who you shouldn't trust. And so if you are producing a lot of oxytocin uh, with someone with whom you are not married, it can really lead you to make a bad decision about whether or not that is a trustworthy human being. That's fascinating. I have never heard that study before, and I love to look at some of the research on oxytocin. So I know you love some of the research from a therapist, Dr. John Gottman. He has some key ideas with regard to sexuality and healthy sexual relationships versus non-healthy. You've worked for Mm -hmm. years as a licensed marriage and family therapist. What have you observed in healthy versus unhealthy sex lives of men and women? Yeah, you know, the first thing is being able to actually talk about it and to be able to talk about your expectations and to be able to talk about what works and what doesn't work, what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, to be able to have this open conversation. It could be a really difficult thing to do, especially when you're newly married and especially if you have really pledged to to remain uh, chaste until the wedding night and you've, you know, you've fought and you've been good, you've withheld, you know, you've done all the things right. And so here you are at the wedding night, uh, but now this thing that Friday night would have been a mortal sin. Now it's Saturday night. We set our vows. Now it's a source of grace. I, I'm not sure I can just flip the switch that easy, right? Mm-hmm. Between uh, mm-hmm. no, 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 no to yes, 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 yes. Uh, and, uh, and especially if we are coming into marriage without any previous experience in this arena, we're both learning. We're both novices. And it's really important to, to acknowledge that and be able to talk about it. Boy, that wasn't too good or that was pleasurable. That didn't work. And I think so. the, the very most important thing for couples who say they, they really do a good job in that arena is to be able to talk about it, what is good, what is bad. And, but there's a lot of vulnerability in that, especially – uh, in, boy, I, I should be better, I should be this, I should be that. And, and so we get caught up in that. But being able to talk about it, really, really critical. 
I find it interesting that that's your starting point of being able to have open, clear conversations of likes, dislikes. I remember reading an article some years ago, and I really wanted to cover it on the show, but I needed someone else to bounce it off of. But I'll give you the gist of the article. It was published some mainstream site, and it basically was this woman who always struggled in her marriage, struggled to understand what gave her pleasure, and she couldn't get past how she was having a hard time and ended up going to sex therapists and all these different things that in the end, it really eroticizes um, what intimacy is and takes it sure. into something that it's not. That's why I always say when people come and ask a lot of questions here on Trending about intimacy, we need to be careful with where we're going. But basically, this woman went to someone who basically gave her experiences to teach her how to appreciate and enjoy pleasure. And so she became this huge advocate for going and having people help you. And I was so scandalized by the whole article mm. and just saddened that this is such a sensitive topic that no was willing to talk about and I was even uncomfortable mentioning it on air myself but it needed sure. to be addressed the fact that this woman was never able to have a conversation with her husband who maybe did or didn't understand how her body worked differently than his and that at the end of the day she didn't need other people to physically make contact with her to show her she needed to be able to have conversations with her spouse to have that open dialogue yeah exactly right that's exactly right and it's a very difficult thing to talk about. And I think sometimes there's guilt around that pleasure, especially for women, uh, not so much for men because we're wired so much uh, differently. Um, but I think sometimes women feel guilty that they're actually enjoying it and they shouldn't. It was God who created uh, the pleasure that's attached to this activity. Uh, and there should be no guilt uh, in that arena whatsoever uh, within within marriage. So let's dive into those 13 things that you have mapped out that help couples to have an incredible sex life. Yeah. And this comes from uh, Dr. John Gottman, uh, and he cites a study called the Normal Bar Study. Uh, and they looked at over 3,000 couples over four decades um, and, uh, and, and in a lot of different cultures. So a lot of different countries, a lot of different cultures, and 13 things that couples who say they really uh, enjoy their life of physical intimacy together that, that, that they seem to have in common. And it's interesting of the 13, Timory, only one actually happens in the bedroom. The other 12 happen in the kitchen or the living room. Uh, and so the, the first one is they say, I love you every day. And they mean it, not this love you thing, L U V Y A. No, no, no. I love you. I look you in the eye and I tell you that I love you. And that's important. And that kind of goes to the, um, you know, the, 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 the love of Storge, right? This kindness that uh, I, I want to tell you, you're important to me and that I love you, right? Uh, they kiss each other passionately for, for no reason. Uh, you know, you're just walking past each other in the kitchen. You just grab each other and turn around and kiss each other. This physical contact, this physical connection between husband and wife outside of the, bed, of the bedroom is really a very important part of what Eros Love is all about. Um, hugging and kissing and holding hands and just kind of squeezing each other as you walk by, really important. Spontaneous. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, they give each other, you know, romantic gifts or any kind of a gift, you know, and it's not the gift as much as the fact that what it says is, you know what, I I was thinking about you and I, I bought you this gift, right? I, I was in the grocery store and I saw these bags of Hershey kisses and it made me think of you and so here's a kiss for you, and here's a whole bag of kisses for you, right? So just these surprise <laughs> gifts are really important. Even um, if it's and then cheesy, the, it works. 
Yeah, of course. That's the cheesier, the better, right? That's kind of the playfulness of of marital intimacy, I think. Showing your um, thinking of them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another one is, I mean, they know what what uh, what uh, pleasures their partner uh, in in the bedroom. So it's, 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 they they know what works, what the other person enjoys. But you've got to be told that you've got to be led to that because we can't figure it out on our own. Uh, us men are really pretty clueless about that for sure. Uh, and so our wives need to really kind of help us to, to learn what that's all about. Um, I think this is key. And I'll just, I know this is probably like the most uncomfortable topic of this whole area for many people, but something you just mentioned was key because I receive a lot of emails from especially wives on this issue of they don't feel comfortable talking. And you just mentioned yeah. husbands are often clueless. So having the ability to say, I do, I don't like that. Actually, this sounds like that's really a key part of this disconnect when many people are saying, I think I need to see a sex therapist. It actually sounds like the problem is communication. Yeah, I agree. And to be able to talk about this without embarrassment and without uh, feeling guilty that somehow, I, you know, what I'm talking about is is dirty or unclean. It's not. God created this. He made us sexual beings, and he attached a lot of pleasure to it um, because it's, it's, this is the thing that bonds husbands and wives together. This is a glue that's a really important part of what married life is all about. And a lot of times when I'm working with couples, um, this part of their marriage hasn't been working well for a long time. And I often talk about the, the bedroom being kind of like the canary in the mine shaft. You know, if the canary drops over dead, that doesn't mean you had a bad canary. It means something in the environment poisoned it. And for mm -hmm. couples, if things aren't going well in the bedroom, that generally it's something in the kitchen that's not going well. We're not mm -hmm. taking good care of the friendship and the kindness, the philia and the storge. And when I work with couples, if I can help them connect and deepen their friendship, deepen their kindness and their compassion to each other, generally the bedroom takes care of itself. But if we're fussing and fighting all day long and now the kids are in bed, the last thing I'm thinking about doing is is any kind of intimacy. I'm like, stay away from me. You've been mean to me all day and now you want this? I don't think so. So and I just if, want to pause real quick because I know not everyone yeah. knows what the canary in the mine shaft is that we're so far <laughs> removed in many respects from yeah. calling. And I know it, I, I laugh because I watch the um, the show One Calls the Heart on Hallmark. I love that mm. show. And it's all about originally calling and mining. But the idea is, is that they'd have a canary down with them in the mines and that yeah. if there was some unhealthy gas or chemical that could kill them, it was potent or dangerous that the canary would die first. And that would be the indicator that all the men quickly needed to escape the mine. Yeah, and so right. what you're saying is that if things aren't going right in the bedroom, it's actually all the other areas that should already be the red flags that are pointing Correct. to something more is going on. That's right. There's something wrong in the environment. There's something wrong in the kitchen and the living room. And if we can fix that, if we can start treating each other with greater kindness uh, and greater friendship and deepen our connection as friends, generally for normally healthy uh, husbands and wives, then life in the bedroom, you know, can be pretty, pretty good. Now let's move on to the next one. Moving yeah. past having that open conversation about what does and doesn't yeah. please spouses. What's number five in these 13 things that all couples do who have a healthy, intimate life with one another. Yeah. So they're physically affectionate, even in public. So this is holding hands you know, this is, if you're at dinner, reaching out and touching each other's hand across the table, looking at each other in the eyes, you know, walking arm in arm somewhere, 
Um, just public displays of affection is, is really an important thing that says, you know what, I, I, I love you and I, I want to show that physically and I'm not embarrassed to do that even in public. So, um, but again, these are public displays. So they're, 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 uh, you know, so yes, hugs and holding hands in public uh, couples with a good life in the bedroom tend to do those kinds of things in public as well. The next one is they keep playing and having fun together. I, one of the things, by the time a couple gets in to see me and I give them this questionnaire they fill out, without exception, they all say, we're not having any fun, right? The fun has gone out of our relationship. And it's important. Fun is an important part of what life is all about. And you need to have fun with your spouse. I often encourage the couples I'm working with to go bowling. I think bowling is a great <laughs> activity for couples because there's a certain amount of aggression to it you know you got this big heavy ball and you throw it down and the pins go flying and it's noisy and every once in a while you knock all the pins down and that's exciting and i think it's a lot of fun and couples can get out a lot of aggression as well when they're bowling so and so the play competition and too hopefully play. they, they yeah. can compete well <laughs> exactly exactly right so i think you know you got to keep having fun you have to have your date nights you know as father rocky talks about you got to have your date nights and, and go for, go roller skating or, you know, whatever it is, but have fun. Do um, people still like, roller skate? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I fact, my and wife roller and I, skating. I love it. My wife and I, the other day, were driving past a, a, a road I hadn't been on ever. And she said, I used to, said she used to roller skate there when she was a little girl. And the place is still open. So I know there's at least one there. roller rink still open in the Chicago area. So. My mom actually got, as an adult, some custom roller skates. I thought it was so Ooh. neat. But and rollerblading was something I love. So having fun there is key. Go. Finding those things you enjoy. But I love some of those recommendations. What's exactly. next after next, having next fun is, together? Yeah, as they, they, they cuddle. You know, they, they sit next to each other on the sofa during, you know, movie night. You know, the kids could be on the floor watching a movie, but mom and dad are sitting next to each other. Dad's not off in his, you know, recliner and mom's on the sofa. No, they're next to each other, maybe under the blanket and they're sitting next to each other and cuddling. And I think you've probably experienced this. Certainly I did a lot when our kids were younger, but you know, when I'm hugging my wife or we're kind of sitting next to each other, so the kids start climbing on top of you. You know, they want to <laughs> be in on the, on the affection, you know, this uh, hugging and cuddling is very contagious in a family, and the kids really want to be a part of it. So, and I, interesting, I you know we used to do we used to joke about that a lot. I'd hug my wife in the kitchen, and the kids would say, "Hey, group hug," and they'd come running in, and we'd start tipping over. Well, the kids are all out of the house now, and last night I was hugging my wife in the kitchen, and the dog jumped into the middle. The dog <laughs> wanted, yeah. So, this idea of cuddling and affection it, it works even with dogs. So it's a good idea. <laughs> So that's cuddling. I think the next one, I think, to uh, is it goes to a point, Timory, that you made uh, earlier when we first started, is that people get so busy with kids and yes. working and paying the bills and the lawn that they just they're too exhausted. They just don't have time for for marital intimacy. And so couples who do a good job, they actually make this a priority. Uh, it's an important part of what our married life is. We don't let it go to you know, to the end of the day if we seem to have time or the end of the week if we can fit it in. This is a priority, uh, a very important part of what of how we stay connected as as a husband and a wife. And it, so it's a priority. And I, as, in fact, I was talking to a couple just last night. And they've got three small kids and they're just exhausted. And I said to them, listen, schedule it. Put it on the calendar. Schedule a time 
where, where you're going to set aside for this. And yeah, I know that goes against the spontaneity that you had as newlyweds and all that kind of stuff. And, but it's important. And like anything that's important, if you schedule it, you're going to get it done, put it in the calendar. So don't just let it go till the end of the day. And maybe the, the helpful attitude is thinking about it as intended versus scheduled. I think sometimes, mm. too, it helps in a lot of what I've discussed with a lot of women in particular is that it helps when they know what to expect. I think sometimes women are less spontaneous on the side of sexual intimacy than men are. And so that yes. can be helpful in terms of expectations, especially for women. And this is a key topic that we see a lot coming up with women. If there's any type of abuse that's occurred in the past, having mm. that preparation, that planning, that expectation is helpful with the intention. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really good point. And I agree. Um, and I think another thing, you know, for the wives, if, I mean, if you really want to make your husband's day when he's leaving for work in the morning, just whisper in his ear, you know what? The kids are going to be over at the, the grandparents' house when you get home tonight, and we're going to have a special evening. Well, your husband will come home from work early that night, right? He's gonna, <laughs> he's going to have a really good day, and people are going to be looking at him at the office saying, "Why are you smiling today?" It's like ah, nothing. <laughs> but but to to say to your husband, "This is important, and I'm going to make time for us to actually spend time together." That's a really great way to say I love you even before the loving starts. So I think that's a, that's a really good idea. So make it a priority um, or be real intentional about it, as you said. I think that's great. Uh, the, the next one on the list is they, they stay good friends. So this goes back to the very first love, the love of friendship. And, you know, how do we stay friends? Well, we take an interest in our spouse's life. What's going on in your life? Tell me about your day. Tell me about your fears, your worries. Tell me about your joys. What keeps you awake night? I take an interest in you and we have good conversations. So if we have good conversations, then it's likely that things will work out better later in the evening. So this, this idea about I'm interested in you as a person and I'm going to take time to listen and be curious about your world is a really strong way to say, I love you which is taking care of things in the kitchen, which generally translates into things working out well later in the evening. We're walking through 13 things that all couples do who have a healthy sex life. What's getting in the way of romantic love for you? We'd love to hear from you. The number is 888-914-9149. We're going to finish off those 13 things that you need to incorporate into your day-to-day -day life, spontaneous, fun, enjoyment, so that you can have a healthy life in the bedroom with your spouse. But I'd love to hear from you. What gets in the way of romantic love? The number is 888-914-9149. Coming back with licensed marriage and family therapist, Doug Hinder taking any questions related to marriage and family life as well. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. How are things going in your family life? Licensed marriage and family therapist Doug Hinders with me today, giving a keen Catholic take on marriage, navigating the good times, the bad times. If you have a question, parenting, marriage related, give us a call. The number is 888 914 9149 for a fresh Catholic take. We're also taking questions online. Just out, check out my Instagram story where you can submit questions. Follow me at Timory, that's T I M M E R. You can find Doug Hinder at happymarriageforlife.com 
That's happymarriageforlife.com. We're walking through 13 things all couples do who have an amazing sex life. We're coming up on the end of them. If you missed all of them, don't worry. They will be listed in the episode notes for today's show, as well as you can share this podcast with a friend. Go and listen at relevantradio.com forward slash trending or wherever you catch your podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you. Maybe you're listening to this list, but you're saying, okay, but X is getting in the way of our romance, of our love. Let's talk about it. The number is 888-914-9149. Doug, what's next on these 13 key things that need to be done, which all couples do who have a healthy, intimate romance life? Yeah. 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 The, the next one we've already, we talked about earlier, they, they can talk comfortably about their life of intimacy and, and, uh, uh, and, and be able to ask for what it is they'd like. Uh, and and not to be uh, embarrassed or, or bashful about that, and, and uh, this is an important part of of what uh, of of, su- of success in that arena, be, especially if the couple is coming into marriage without any previous experience, which ideally that is what's going on. Um, they need to be able to communicate, and especially the husband needs to be educated uh, as to uh, the, the the wife and, and how she works and and. Uh, and what he needs to do for her. So really important for the wife to be able to communicate to the husband. And most husbands are be very grateful because the husband uh, wants to be good. He, you know, he, he, he wants to uh, please his wife and he wants his wife to be happy. And if he's just not sure how to go about that and his wife can help him, I think he'll be very grateful for that. So that's the next one. And the one after that, uh, get another Father Rocky tip is they have weekly dates. The importance of date night cannot be overstated. Most couples do the date night wrong. They use it as a logistics planning session. And they mm-hmm. who's going to pick up the dry cleaning? Who's taking this kid to soccer practice? And this one to piano lessons? And it's all about logistics. And, you know, you can see them, you know, if you're at a restaurant, you can see which one's on their date because they both have their phones out and they're both looking at their calendars. You know, they're trying to sync up what's going on. That's not the date night. The date night is I'm going to take an hour or two to tell you how much I love you, how grateful I am to God that he brought you into my life. I'm going to tell you what I appreciate about you. I'm going to affirm you and I'm going to praise you. And I'm going to, we're going to connect and we're going to have deep, intimate conversations about all kinds of things. And it's going to be as though there are no children, there are no jobs, there are no bills to be paid. It's just you and me alone connecting at a very deep level of friendship and intimacy. So date nights and then romantic vacations. I encourage couples to take one romantic vacation, even if it's a weekend getaway each year. Now, it doesn't have to be, you know, some Caribbean island. It can be the Holiday Inn, you know, just one suburb over, one town over. Uh, But the idea is to be able to get away for two days, one night at least, where we don't have to worry about anybody but ourselves. We can pamper ourselves, take care of ourselves. We can have breakfast in bed if we want to. We don't have to worry about anybody but us and connecting at a deeply intimate level. And so a weekend getaway is a really good idea as well. And then the last one is uh, making eye contact when you talk to each other. Nothing says I'm interested in you better than actually looking at me when when I'm talking to you. So um, it's a very predictive um quality of couples that are doing well is their ability to look at each other uh, and maintain eye contact. And a lot of Gottman research has gone into this, that when couples turn and look at each other, 
Uh, 90% of the time or more when they're talking, they almost none of them divorce. But couples who only look at each other 30% of the time or more when they're trying to communicate have a very high divorce rate. So that one thing all by itself, whether or not the couple looks at each other, is a, it's, it's like a thermometer. It tells you if the patient is sick or not. And if they're not looking at each other, that's a, that's a marriage that's in trouble. I hear this often, though, that this is a lot for guys. You're expecting guys to behave like women. Women love eye contact. Men don't. Can you speak to that just simple male-female difference? Yeah, that, that could be, uh, you know, because women are, are tend to be more emotional and men tend to be distracted. I, I'll say this. When my wife and I go into a restaurant, uh, if it's a restaurant that has televisions on the wall, my wife always makes me sit in a place where I can't see the televisions because, <laughs> you know, I get a little distracted sometimes, especially if my favorite sports teams are up there. So, um, yeah, and I think, but guys can overcome that. And, you know, if I don't have any other distractions, I'm going to be looking at my wife because she's pretty. I mean, I like looking at her. I could do that all day long. And just about every man in the world would say the same thing about the wife, you know, the woman that he married uh, is that he's very physically attracted to her and considers it to be very beautiful. And and it's easier to look at her. So it's a really important thing to, to be cognizant of look at each other when you're talking, because it says, I'm really interested in you. Something really interesting I heard, and I don't remember all the technical jargon for it, but basically the central point for where conversation stems from for men and women are different in different parts of the brain. And for men, it's closer related to the spine, which is more oriented toward action and movement. And for women, it's a little more forward, closer to a different part of the brain that's more connected to emotional connection and eye contact. And so some of the research I've seen with that is that to be helpful within marriage sometimes to keep the conversation going, it's helpful to help to have something maybe a little more movement oriented for men when it comes to conversation. So I thought that was really intriguing when I saw some of that research. And again, I can't remember all the technical jargon for where the different parts of the brain were connected, but I thought that was fascinating. That's interesting. And I wasn't aware of that, but it certainly makes sense. Um, There's certainly some research out there that looks at the way women communicate with women and men to men. And women tend to communicate eyeball to eyeball, face to face men shoulder to shoulder, mm-hmm. you know, we tend to communicate more, uh, while we're looking at something else and women while they're looking at, uh, at each other. And yeah, I get, you know, I mean, it's, it's fascinating the differences between men and women and those differences that God programmed in right from the beginning. Um, it's kind of fun stuff to, to explore that and discover that, uh, especially in the context of married life. Yeah. And to push through the challenges and the differences too, sometimes getting over what we're comfortable with or used to as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely right. And I think, you know, that's the thing when, uh, when you get married, you're trying to blend two lives and, and two histories, two backgrounds, you know, the, the family that you grew up in and their traditions. And now I'm going to blend those with your family that you grew up in and those traditions you grew up with and how, which, which are we going to keep? Which will we, uh, uh, not do what what will we bring forward in terms of the culture of our marriage and as we work that out especially in the first few years and as we tend to you know i i you know you you, you can't that the family you grew up in stays with you throughout all of adulthood for for good and bad right and none of us had perfect parents uh and but we had good ones a lot of us and and uh, but so a lot of the the joys and the sorrows from childhood come with us into uh, into our married life, uh, and we need to be able to talk about those things uh, in this spirit of you know kindness and, and friendship, 
as we start to carve out what our married life is going to look like and, and what the culture of our family is going to be as we move forward in life. That's licensed marriage and family therapist, Doug Hinderer. Doug, as we've given these 13 things that all couples who have healthy romantic relationships do, um, a lot of people have been writing in through the course of the day and during the show about okay. what gets in the way of romantic love for them. And a resounding theme I'm seeing from many people is everything from being, quote, too busy, working full time for a lot of women. A lot of women are commenting on that and just getting kids to bed at night. And then you get to the <laughs> end of the day as Jessica and Raven and some of the others say, and they're just tired, too tired when it comes time for a romance to even begin. Can you yeah. speak to that and maybe some tips for how to navigate that season, that thickness of being a thick of having kids and just running from one thing to the next from morning to night? Yeah, I will say, I, I think that is one of the challenges of our age is being overly committed and overly busy. Uh, and it, it not only does it get in the way of this life of intimacy, it pulls couples apart at a lot of levels. I mean, if we don't have time to talk to each other, if we don't have time to deepen our friendship, if we don't have time to be kind to each other, how are we ever going to grow and nurture our, our, our marriage? And I think that's, we're pulled in so many different directions that if we do not prioritize the marriage, uh, it's going to end. It's like anything else. It's like a garden. If you don't tend it and weed it from time to time and water it, it's going to die. And I think, I, I will tell you this, the hardest thing I ask my couples to do by far and away is to spend 10 minutes every day, just the two of them, deepening their friendship. Wow, just it's the 10 minutes. That's Wow. Couple after couple come back week after week and say, we just couldn't find the time. We did it once and it was great. We didn't do it the other six nights. We just can't find the time. And some of these are couples who don't even have children living at home. You know, either they don't have children yet or they're empty nesters. I get it when you've got a bunch of little kids running around. Man, it's tough to find that time. When the kids are in bed, you're exhausted and you collapse. All couples find it hard to do that. But if you don't invest time, that's why the divorce rate ticks up when couples get into their 60s, because now the kids are gone. But I don't know who you are anymore because we haven't mm -hmm. had a conversation in 30 years because mm -hmm. we're running around with the kids and the, making the money and paying the bills and doing a lot. And that's a real sad thing. So this idea of being too busy. And I think I, the, the hard thing is, I mean, my advice is take out a surgeon's scalpel and start cutting things <laughs> out of your life. Yes. Because you can't fit it all in. And um, I find that a lot with young couples. They've got pretty active lives and, you know, and they, they play softball and they're playing volleyball and they, you know, and, and then they have a baby and they want to keep doing all the other things they did when they were single or newlyweds. But now I've got a baby to take care of and you can't do it. So mm -hmm. you need to be very surgical. You need to prioritize your marriage above all else. Nothing else is more important than, than, than your spouse. Because your spouse is your pathway into heaven. This is the path that God set out for us to mm -hmm. sanctify our life. And if you're not going to prioritize that, I think your priorities are going to be in the wrong place. Now, I got it. You got to make money. You got to pay bills. But, man, you've got to get surgical about cutting out anything that's getting in the way and getting in between you and your spouse. 
And I see it. I see it, Doug. I have kids who this coming month will be three and one year old. And mm-hmm. with each kid I've seen, I need to cut things out of my life, like in order to make time for this new human being to love. I mean, even right. just when I got married, I remember I got married. I would wake up at 5.45 a.m. every morning, go straight to 6.30 mass, come home, and I would work until I dropped for the day. Mm-hmm. And I remember we got married and I woke up early, went to mass and got home. I'm like, oh, I actually have to spend time with you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then yeah. you know the kids came, but I see people and I talk to them. And I was just talking to someone a week or two ago, and they were talking about how their kids never available. They have one child, and they listed all of these camps and programs the kid was doing. Yeah. And I just said, "Wow, I'm exhausted just hearing the list." Yeah. And so I, I think of it as something we all need to remember of having a season of saying no in order to better honor and enjoy the commitments we already have, but better yet, the people we already have in our lives. Our lives are rich with people, not as much so with activities. And I think we've gotten that really backward in our current culture. Yeah, yeah I agree 100%. And I, I was talking to a hospice nurse uh, uh, quite a, yeah, about 20 years ago now, but she was saying that with all the people who she's assisted, you know, in their final days, hours on this earth, all of the regrets that she heard people voice were about people. They weren't about, I wish I'd have spent more time at the office. They weren't about, I wish I'd have driven a fancier car. It was all about, I wish I'd have been closer to my son. I I, I wish I wouldn't have had that falling out with my sister. Um, At the end of the day, those are the things we're going to regret, not the money we've got, not the material possessions. That's it. And so we will come back diving more into family life, married life with Doug Hinder, a licensed marriage and family therapist. If you have a question for him, open line number is 888-914-9149. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I remember earlier this year, I received an email from Gustavo asking me about intrauterine insemination. He and his wife were struggling to conceive a baby and had been advised by medical doctors to actually use intrauterine insemination. Now, IUI, intrauterine insemination, the precursor to IVF, part of the IVF process, is completely against Catholic Church teaching, is damaging to mom, is damaging to babies who are conceived and actually kills babies along the way through so-called selective reduction. So here's the good news. He asked, what does the church teach about intrauterine insemination? He said, Wow, what can I say? I emailed you some months back. A lot has happened in the last few months, and all I can say is God is great. He said, My wife and I were blessed with a baby girl on 1120. We prayed so hard and devoutly for a miracle, and we were blessed with a child of God. I can't believe months ago I was desperate for answers, and now I have everything I could ask for. Just wanted to give you a praise report. Stay well and keep doing what you're doing. God bless. I'm so excited for Gustavo in all couples who are in the season of navigating children and as a medical community kind of gives us all hopes is lost mindset as people of faith we know the story of salvation history is filled with miraculous pregnancies with long seasons of waiting and anticipation and hope for children 
And so if you're in that season of hoping for a baby, I want to encourage you during this Advent season, let go of that, give that over to our Lord and prepare for Christ this Christmas. And through that Advent season, reconcile that joy and that desire for new life and also that sorrow and longing that can come side by side and trust in the miraculous, trust in God's will for your life. Congratulations to Gustavo and his wife and their new little baby. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Joining me today is licensed marriage and family therapist, Doug Hinder. And today we are taking your questions. So many have come in. I would like to just start right there at the beginning, Doug. Rosetta on Instagram wrote in, she said, is sleeping in the same bed as your partner, but not having relations considered a sin? We're unmarried and we've been together for 10 years and have three children. Hmm. Well, that's a good question. I, You know, you're you're in the realm now of morality, and that's not my expertise. My expertise I can is, jump in. Yeah. is, yeah, I think that's good. I, I, what I would just say is, even if it's not a sin, man, you're in the near occasion of sin for sure, yes. because you're just a, a couple inches away from uh, making a mistake there. So that's probably not a good idea. But go ahead, Timory. Yeah, Rosetta, I just throw it out there. You guys have been together 10 years and have three children why aren't you married? I think that's the better question to be asking. And yes, the question is there. Is it, a, is it a sin? Well, if you're not having sexual intimacy, well, no, but are you putting yourself in the near occasion? Then perhaps yes, because we can even do things. And I would actually say yes in the respect that we can do things that are sinful by causing scandal. So number one, you're causing a scandal to your children by sleeping with someone who you're not married to. Now, what's important is that that person is their father, so they may not understand that, but what an example to set by showing that this is the person you are married to, committed to, and that is their father. And so you may not realize it, they may not realize it now, but you're actually leading your children into error and scandalizing them along with your spouse. I don't know if he's Catholic or not Catholic, but you're also not setting the example of what we're called to as Catholics to faithful, committed, chaste, married relationships. You owe it yeah. to your kids to be married. You owe it to the man you've been with for 10 years. And so I think the better question here is what's getting in the way of you guys getting married? Why aren't you married? And yeah. so I, I throw that back in your direction. But yes, I see your intention, Rosetta, is to say, okay, we're not having sex, but we're in the same bed. Is that a sin? But the question needs to go further. Let's take it one step further. So I really encourage you. And Rosetta, I know Doug and I and us here at Relevant Radio will be praying for you to navigate this. And maybe you start with that question. If you have asked it, why aren't we married? What's getting in the way? It could be a good place to start. Yeah. I mean, my hunch is there might be some impediment, something getting in the way. So go see your parish priest. Find out what's going on and see if there's something irregular about your situation that you can get straightened out and get married. Yeah, I agree. Let's get married. Let's get going on this thing. Come on. Amen. Amen. Kayla on Twitter asked, how do you recommend Dad reconciling with an abusive parent after years of estrangement? How should someone oh. go about that? Should we test the water somehow to see if their behavior has changed? Yeah. Yeah. I so saw two things. A forgiveness is the most powerful thing we can do as Christians. Christ came to this world to teach us how to forgive. And by our, every time we say they are father, we say, forgive us as we forgive others. So we really need to do a good job of forgiving. Number one, number two, abusive parents 
were made that way probably because they grew up in an abusive home as well. And these things tend to be passed on from generation to generation. And so my hunch is the abusive parent has some real brokenness in them from their childhood uh, that they weren't able to get on, that they weren't able to get past, and then they, they spread that out. And I think if you understood more deeply perhaps the pain, the brokenness that this parent has endured from their childhood, it will make it easier for you to forgive. So yes, extend the, uh, the olive branch uh, of forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't guarantee reconciliation. They, they, you may still not be able to reconcile, but at least you can forgive uh, and that will bring you great peace, especially in this holiday season. Uh, forgiveness brings peace. Great. I think a guidance, and sometimes we don't hear that side of it enough, and I appreciate the Catholic take of forgiveness is key to Christianity, but finding that way forward is sometimes the harder part as well. Another question that came in on Instagram from Ramon, my parents are both narcissists. I'm raising my own children now. What should I be aware of to not take on in terms of their narcissistic tendencies or pass on to my children? Well, <laughs> oh, very good, Ramona. It's a great question. I think the mere fact that you realize that they're narcissists and you're working against that suggests that you're not a narcissist, uh, which is good because narcissists tend to see the world through their own lens. Uh, and uh, they're right. Everybody else is wrong and, and uh, they're very selfish people. So I think just loving children, realizing that love is wanting what is best for the other person and living your life in a way that you are able to love your children in terms of what's best for them is, I think, the best way to fight against some narcissistic tendencies, which we all have to some degree uh, because we tend to be, you know, kind of grandiose and thinking that we're the best. But uh, uh, accepting people with their defects, loving people, loving what's best for your children, being having a servant mindset that even as the parent, we're here to serve our children, to raise and educate them and, and to love them through how we take good care of them uh, is a good step towards combating narcissism. So wonderful question. Thank you. That's licensed marriage and family therapist, Doug Hinder. On Instagram, Teresa asked, how can I best love and encourage a husband who has an avoidant attachment style? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So avoiding attachment, yeah, I, I, I'm afraid to get too close to people, so I just avoid that because I'm, I'm scared. And I think the, the avoiding attachment comes from a place of fear. If I get too close, you will hurt me. I will be hurt by that. And so uh, making sure that your husband knows that you're safe and that there's and, and that you're – so stay away from criticism. Stay away from anything that makes him feel vulnerable or unsafe. Uh, and the safer he feels, the easier it will be for him to open up. If he's really pretty solid in that, maybe some therapy could be very helpful for him to overcome. You know, this all starts from some child emotional injuries and attachment wounds from childhood. Um, you can help him. These are great questions. I know we have so many more that we didn't dive into, but if you have your questions, Doug will be back next week. So be sure to join us here on Trending and listen to the podcast, relevantradio.com forward slash trending. Check out Doug's website as well. You can find him at happymarriageforlife.com. That's happymarriageforlife. Thank you so much, Doug, for joining us. Up next is a family rosary.